Hey everyone, welcome to season two, episode six, the Matt Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Jason Hayward here with my co-host Richard Bressler, and we're talking about how to improve longevity in your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu BJJ training. Uh, some different approaches you can take, some things you can keep top of mind, and I think when it comes to longevity and training, uh, Richard is definitely a mentor of mine. Uh, he's got it dialed in. So, Richard, how long have you been training for? Um, let me think about this. My path started, um, wow, it's been, I started 44 years ago last month. That is impressive. That is, yeah. that I is did very take a little time off. I, I took about 10 months off, probably about maybe three years into it, just because I moved to the Valley, uh, you know, just, you know, life happened and I think I got a call back from Borean and, and then got back into it. And then the only time off that I ever took after that was during, uh, the pandemic, the pandemic. Yeah. The pandemic. I'm glad. Very glad that's behind us. And so one of the things that I know that you and I have talked about, and I'd love for us to kind of go over again here so everybody can hear it, is the type of mindset that really gives you good longevity in BJJ. And I know that when people are training for competitions, like I'm actually a huge fan of competition. If, if you're looking at it from the purpose of hitting a certain goal, testing your jujitsu, and sort of like getting in that place where you're trying to like markedly improve as like a yardstick across peers that you don't train with every day. I think that that is super cool. As long as the eventual goal is training for yourself, training for longevity, and just sort of using competitions as like normal check-ins. And I don't know, like, how do you, how do you feel like, I guess, let me ask it a different way. If you were, if you started out back in the day doing sport jujitsu, would you still be training today? No. Yep. Okay. I, my, body, my body wouldn't allow me to train today. I mean, I'd be walking around like a cripple. I mean, I see guys that are 10 years younger than me that walk with a hunched back. Their knuckles are all mangled. Um, their necks are screwed up. Their back screwed up, their hips are screwed up. You know, they've had surgeries, whether it be knee, you know, whatever. I mean, it's jujitsu, if you really train hard, is a very, very tough art on your body. And that's why when you're young, you can you can sustain it for a, a short amount of time, some longer than others, but like I like I have said before, for me, competition jujitsu is very similar to the mentality of like high school wrestling. You're doing it generally. Yes, there's technique involved, but the stronger you are, the faster you are, um, obviously, the more you train, but it takes a certain amount of physicality to excel. I mean, look at some of the best guys, you know, and I'm not even going to mention names but so many people that are doing sport are taking um you know enhancing we'll call it enhancing things aka steroids 
you know, and yeah, it makes your body bigger, but at what cost, whether it be human growth hormone, it, I remember one of the guys that I used to spar with was, I think a year or two older than I, he definitely did not stay in jujitsu. And uh, I remember he was using, cause we always talked about it. This was back in the eighties, human growth hormone. And the guy was very fit, good looking guy, you know, just, just like was really hell to deal with, but he was using human growth hormone. And I'm, and you know, and the one thing that I noticed about his jujitsu, he was very aggressive back then I could deal with it. He never really, you know, dominated me. Man, we were both purple belts, but I just noticed a difference in his mentality. And like I said, the guy's not training today that I know of. I mean, I would think if somebody back then would be training, you know, and if they're on social media, they would reach out, say something to me. You know, I would guess, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be like that, but it's, it's hard on the body. And, you know, after a while, I didn't enjoy training with them just because we'd start out training and I'd usually, you know, I'd start out slow and he'd be really aggressive. And I'd usually get like popped in, you know, with an elbow in the jar or whatever, you know, things are, things fly like that. And, uh, that's what would get me aggressive when you start to, when I'd start out slow and they'd start going crazy I'd say, okay, this one, this is how you want to play it. And, uh, you know, and I would, I would do that, but it's, it's not something, you know, I was maybe in my early thirties. So, you know, that was, it was, well, no, when I was a purple belt, blue belt, maybe it was in my, you know, probably, oh gosh, probably, you know, in my, yeah, I was in in my mid thirties and it was, it was hard to, to sustain, I didn't enjoy it. You know, you can roll with somebody and learn, but the reason to do competition is to test yourself. But it's more than to test yourself because you're testing yourself against somebody who is also testing themselves and the art. So it's whose timing is a little bit better, who can dominate, who might be a little bit stronger, because that's one of the things that I noticed in competition that the guy, is a better athlete, not necessarily his mindset, although that may have something to do with it. It's how much, how you can sustain. You know, one of the things that this woman who you know trained with me for a while, she's a white belt. She competed and she did pretty well. And and one of the things, you know, she goes at the technique and help me stay relaxed. She said the one thing that I really didn't get is how to be more aggressive when I'm in the, the, that training space. And, you know, and there's a few people like that. She's also this one woman in particular, she's also a, a very fit athlete. So even though she is, and I think in her early forties, you know, she's, she's very fit and, you know, but that's not, the rule. 
I think that's the exception. So if, so if I came to you and said, okay, Richard, I've, I've been training sport for four years. And, and, How and old I, are you? what's that? How old are you? Just say I'm, just say I'm in my mid twenties. Okay. I mean, actually here, let me say this. I was a good high school wrestler. After high school, I started training sport jujitsu. I'm in love with the lifestyle and I want to train forever, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to sustain this. Do you have any tips for me that would let me make jujitsu a long-term lifestyle? Should I switch, like, should I switch schools to go to something that's self-defense focused or is there a way for me to keep doing this in a sport atmosphere? I think it's hard to sustain a sport atmosphere yep. for a long period of time, personally. It just, I, I've just been around long enough to see the amount of injuries that guys take. And you can still test yourself. You can still roll. It's, and, and you can still be confident that you're going to do well if something happens to you in the street. But, you know, like I was talking to, uh, to Alan Manganello, who we're going to have on the podcast within the next few weeks. Yeah, that'll be great. And Alan's been around for a while. Um, you know, at least I'm guessing, gosh, well, he's a fourth degree black belt. So he's been around, I don't know, close to 30 years, I'm guessing. And uh, he was just, you know, people start to, you know, I, I, I talk to them about their injuries, about their neck, their back. And I, I just see, I see what happens to, to guys that, that have been doing this. It's hard in the body. No, that's, that's totally fair. And the way so, that I look at it. Sure. So to answer, sorry to interrupt, but to answer your question, you know, find somebody or find a school where you can roll and, and learn how to honor your body, you know, instead of saying, okay, what can I find? Because when you train hard in anything, in anything, um, um, when you train hard in anything, your body is creating a certain amount of inflammation. And what people do now is they find ways to halt or um, trick their body into not feeling the inflammation. That's right. AKA, you know, they're doing. Uh, cold plunges. I'm not a big cold plunge person. I think that when you do a cold plunge, personally, this is my belief, based on the information that I have from the guy who taught me the, the, the body work that I've learned, and that's kept me upright, is that, you know, cold, extreme cold, halts, or it really slows down your inflammation. Inflammation is a natural healing process. So what you're telling your body is you know more than your body does. 
you know, and then I've heard I've heard the arguments. Oh, well, people have been doing this for a while doing, you know, one thing is going out into the ocean or wherever they do it in Iceland or wherever and dip and get out. But to, another thing to sit in there for a few minutes, you know, I. The jury isn't out yet of the long term effects of something like that. My anyway, so learn your body is telling you when this happens that you need rest. So rest. I mean, one of there, there was a guy. Uh, gosh, I forgot the name of the book, but it was it was an Ayurvedic doctor. I have it someplace in here, and he talked about. When you start your exercise regime, you take your pulse when you're finished. And after you work out hard, the next day you wake up, you take your pulse. If it's elevated either 10 beats per minute or 10% a minute, I'm not sure what, I'll have to look back and review. If it's elevated, it means that your body's still working hard and it's a very light day or a day of rest. And this guy used to train elite athletes. He said, I got more um, gains from people when they honored their body. And that's one of the things that, that I don't know if it's America or if it's the world, we just feel like, okay, more is better. Okay, next day we got to get out there and do it again. And when you're young, you can do that. When you get older, it's like, that's why these guys who are saying weightlift, you know, they're saying do it once a week when you get in an advanced age, you don't have to do it, you know, three times a week for two hours each time. It's, you're going to tear your body down too much. No, that's a really, that's a really good point. I know that me personally speaking from experience, I am addicted to the lifestyle of being at class and being around my friends. But I do, when my body is tired, when I'm not feeling a hundred percent, I'll definitely do class, go light, maybe roll one round, roll super light. I will listen to my body there because I do want to have the longevity to stick around and knock on wood. Listening to my body has prevented injuries. I stayed injury free. And that also comes from having the right partners. So when coming back to that, right? So if you're really training for longevity, you need to have the mindset to say, okay, there will be times when I need to listen to my body, right? I also need to be in the right type of school that's going to sort of honor that, right? And then the last part really is having great training partners. I mean, that's one of the things that we've talked about before was picking your training partners for longevity and jujitsu. Like what would you normally look for in good training partners? Um, people that are 50 pounds lighter than me, <laughs> which are usually about, like, you know, like seventh or eighth grade, you know, kids. So I get, <laughs> so they're not going to hurt me. No, Listen, I, mean, I, have felt, I have felt your top pressure that that would, that would crush any kid. Trust me. Um, you know, I, I think it's sometimes you just kind of, it's kind of a hit and miss thing. You'll, you might roll with somebody and you go like, Whoa, I'm never going to roll with them again. Or you just, you know, you watch as others are rolling and you kind of check them out and, and you start to talk to people, you know, because it, it's, 
it's kind of a hit and miss thing. I mean, there's guys that I've rolled with that I just, that I used to say like, I'm, I'm never rolling with that guy again. You know, I mean, there's, and there's reasons why one is because, you know, they take it too seriously, too much of an ego Two, some, I mean, you, and there's so many things, you know, and this is not really part of what we're talking about, but it, but it bears worth talking about for a moment is when you go into class, wash your gi, trim your fingernails, make sure you're showered. You know, it's like basic common sense hygiene as well as be, you know, learn how to, you know, relax. And, you know, one of the things that I do in my classes, when I teach private classes, I'm not, and even regular classes, I'm not teaching a whole lot of technique, a whole lot of new stuff. There's some things that I saw that I really dig that I'll show, but not that I won't teach new stuff. It's just that most of it is just review, review, review. And it's a mindset of like, I show collar chokes. I cannot believe the amount of people when they do a collar choke, how much power they put into it. And I'll, and I'll, you know, and that's the one thing about being trained by Orion is that he always was like, would hold my arm when I was choking and go relax, relax. When he'd feel that, that kind of like to really put a lot of what you're flexing I do the same thing with everybody. And the rear naked choke, the triangle, everything. You, because he said you want to practice using technique. He said you want to practice as close to 100% as possible when you're practicing a technique. Because if you stay relaxed and you're doing it just to educate your reflexes and you get close to 100%, when you go to use that technique, You'll be maybe, so if you're practicing at 80%, maybe when you go to use it, the adrenaline all kicks in, maybe you'll be at 60%. But when you're practicing technique and it's at 60% or 50% using a lot of power, when you go to use it, when you go to grab, they just grab and squeeze and even less than that. So it, it, it's, a, it's a mindset of just educating the reflexes over and over again. This is how you will maintain your body not to kind of work too hard and, and learn how to use technique. I mean, it, 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 it takes patience. Sometimes when I was doing teaching like this, I would get frustrated because the student, I would show them something and then they'd kind of get in there and they'd mix it up. And I'd go, whoa, what, are, are they not? getting it? What are they? I mean, are, we, are they stupid? I mean, I just got through saying relax and all of a sudden, and then I realize that I need to realize that habits, like anything, I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was saying, oh yeah, I, I just told my dad to listen to this thing, this recording and talked about, you know, diet and talked about certain things that are really, really good for you and certain things that are really bad for you, which we'll talk about in another podcast. But, uh, and he goes, yeah, my dad really like looked at it and he said, yeah, like, it's like, I really think he got it. And then shortly after, you know, he went over and grabbed some, you know, some, 
sugary snack and a soda. And I said, dude, he heard it once or twice. He's got years of habits, those conditioned things. I mean, like I told him when I first moved in with Orion, I ate my meals with Orion. I came from the fast food industry. I was eating candy bars, eating hamburgers and French fries and drinking. I had a soda fountain built in at my work. I could get Cokes all day long. You know, I get too much ice in it. And who knows, the water wasn't being filtered, you know, for our ice machine. So yeah. it was the kind of crap that we were putting in our body. And But it would still, after a while, it would get diluted and you'd spill it out, get more ice, fill up your Coke again. I mean, this was me on a regular basis. And then, you know, Horian says, just eat meals with me. And I'd eat them with him. And I'd go, that's great. But he would go to bed and I'd go like, I'd go in and sneak in. Like, what can I eat that, you know, did, didn't combine right or was just something that was, you know, not necessarily good for me so it took took a few months to educate my habits and that's what it is with people it's habits they're ingrained you got to review it and it's my job to be as patient as possible with them to realize that you know the way horian said hey richard he never lectured me about doing drugs never you know here i'm like doing drugs. I, he never made me feel bad that, that I was destroying my body. He just said, he focused on the good things. That is, that is critical, right? Like I, I believe that's critical because it takes a while for those neural pathways to really form a habit. And when I think about how I train now, I don't, I don't really even chase submissions. I work on defenses and through the defenses, you'll see certain attacks start to open up. And when I go for those, I try not to be, you know, I try not to get obsessed with getting the submission. I try to make sure that the technique is staying as clean as possible. So when you get it, you stand a better chance. I'm really working on trying to build good habits. And I think that one of the good habits that I'm always working on too, is trying to be a good partner. Going back to that point, I always shower before class and clean ghee and all that. Um, but then also too, giving somebody enough resistance without using pure strength, right? And I know that strength versus technique is one of the things that you and I have talked about. And I, I've always found it fascinating how you can look at a technique and tell somebody, this is great because you know, you're bigger than the person, but what happens if the person's bigger than you and it won't work? Do you wanna talk about that mindset sort of aspect for longevity of training as well? Because over time, strength starts to dissipate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I talk about this a lot in class, and I just say, look, if if you are if you're going to be around, it's like when I teach uh, any kind of a choke, and you know, and and, one, and I refer to Horian just because he was my teacher for so long. You know, he would say, you tie like a tie around a man's neck, and you just cinch it up, and you tighten it and tighten it. Tight. Eventually, you're going to pass out. But when you're using a choke, sometimes with so much power, you'll intimidate the person. They'll feel the pain. They'll get pinched and they'll tap. But there's always that guy that can take a certain amount of pain who won't tap. And that's why when you have a good choke, 
I don't care if they don't tap or not, because they're going to take a nice little restful sleep. <laughs> and, and if you do hold a choke, any choke, and it's not a good choke and you hold it for 15 seconds and the guy's like not going out, you're just squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. When you finally let go, you can't use your arms. I mean, you know, the blood is all, you know, it's all here and it's not circulating. So your arms are dead for probably 30 seconds. Your arms so. feel like water balloons, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and so I'll just tell them, I said, look, practice the choke. Look, a, a bad choke is still a choke and sometimes the person's going to tap. But practice over and over again because eventually, if you stick with jujitsu long enough, you're going to lose your speed, you're going to lose your power, and you're going to lose your strength. I mean, it just, it happens, you know? It's just, so the only thing that you'll have left is technique even your timing is going to go down too so you know i realized one of the last things that i still have is my defensive ability obviously my timing is not as good as it was but still focused on that alone is like i have to just call a win look if and if i'm rolling with somebody who is um, even my weight and younger or even lighter than me and, and they're uh, purple, brown or black belt, you know, be, with their timing, you know, I'll probably get caught. But I'll but I'll do my best to not attack them just to try to to shut down what they're doing. You could lose a lot of things, Richard, but you will never lose your charisma or your 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 charm and talent. How is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That right. was pretty that was pretty good, right? Can we edit that part out? We cannot. Okay. <laughs> I'm giving you a hard time. Um, no, so so really, I know one of the things that we talked about. Oh yes, worth okay. defending. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of the stories for the people who haven't, and for those of you who are listening to this, I'm holding up my book called Worth Defending, How Grace Jitsu Saved My Life. And a lot of the mindsets are in that. And, and, you know, let me just touch on the book for a while, for a second, because I get so much feedback on the things that we're talking about. That's the thing. That's why I hold the book up. And I didn't, I never realized that people were going to be, how, how many people relate to what I was saying. And it is, it's something worth defending is worth reading. And, uh, and I did, I just thought of that guys. So, you know, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on that marketing. Um, but it, it's because it, it tells the things that we're talking about right now. And I don't think a lot of this stuff can be said enough. I, I know that I personally have read the book more than five times now, and I am continuously surprised that you're surprised at people's reactions. I mean, it truly is a must read book for anybody who's even remotely interested in the martial arts. And I think that, you know, most people, 95% of people out there would find good value in just the life lessons and the things that you can do, the things that are possible, um, because obviously your life has shifted in a massive way. And so it's a really powerful story. And I really like a lot of the, a lot of the stories in there and just sort of the anecdotes that you have 
jujitsu and life. And so one of the ones in just kind of going back to this for one second is there are certain techniques, and I know that we've talked about this a lot. There are certain techniques, there are certain people who want to do all of the flashy techniques. And there are some people that really want to stick to the basics. And I, I am in your camp where I think the basics really matter. When you think about if you had three different techniques that you could train, that you just had three techniques to work from, like a positional one, an attack, and a defense, and you just drill those over and over, would you feel comfortable that your, that your jujitsu would come through for you with such a small library of techniques if your technique was really good? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look. You know, I remember when I got my blue belt, you know, after 40 half hour classes and I went like, wait a minute, I'm a blue belt. I didn't even know what that meant. But, you know, I still felt like a beginner and, and I was. But the one thing that Horian said, and, you know, and this is obviously, you know, something that, you know, I don't think there's any, he did any science behind this. Maybe he did. But he said, you're three times more effective than you were when you first came in. So 20 hours of private instruction with Horian Gracie. You know, I thought about that and I'm like, okay. You know, I am, because I realized the things that I was learning. So, but when we've been doing it so long, you, you don't even realize, or maybe I don't even realize what I have here. But, but I, I do, I just, maybe sometimes I get a little lost in it because it's, it's been such a part of me for more than half of my life. So, you know, it, it's, I'm just ultimately grateful that I have this because, you know, it's, it's hard to measure. How, how do you, how do you measure something like that? I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I see what guys do and I'm on the map with them and, you know, it's, it, it's, I don't know. I think that jujitsu, I think that jujitsu is such a powerful and transformative tool for anybody's life. You know, just like your book, like reading your story, it is, it is a powerful, powerful story. And when I think about jujitsu and its impact on my own life, when I think about it is for me far and away the best stress reliever ever. It's Great. It's a great physical outlet, a great physical release. It's a great mental one because you're focusing on learning and flowing and technique. You have your friends. You're in a place where it's a super positive environment. Gracie University in Torrance. It is, it is literally the perfect place for me. And uh, like I've said before, I drive, you know, two hours to get to class and you know, an hour and hour and change getting home. And I still did it, you know, five times this week. And it was, uh, it's just the great, greatest release. And you start stacking up progress and you start looking back. And I think the path is very amazing. And 
I am really rededicating myself to really getting solid on the basics, the fundamentals, because I know that there are some techniques where you've shown me where I knew the technique, but I didn't know the technique the way that you knew it. And I was blown away by that. And I think that's one of the things that jujitsu is like this, this winding road where there's really no end because there is also so much creativity and there's so much growth. And then you start helping other people who are earlier in their journey. And that gives your own technique a whole completely different perspective. And so that's one of the things that I've loved in getting to know you as well as like the way that you think about the techniques and so much dimension. And that's the reason why I really want to have longevity and training because it's such a critical, just important piece of my life. And so for that to happen, I'm, I'm a realist. For that to happen, there are certain things that I need to do, certain precautions I need to take. And maybe that's kind of like where we start to wind down this episode is talking about what, what is good recovery? Like, what are some good principles? Like, if I don't know anything about recovery, and I know we touched on it just a few minutes ago, but how, how do you think about recovery? And what would you sir, what would you suggest for the average person? Uh, just you know, de- depending on your age, depending how you feel. I, I, you know, I had a uh, years ago when I was teaching Kramaga, probably uh, fifteen years ago. There was a woman who used to come in and take my class, and she took all the fitness classes, Kramaga classes, she was in there over, 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 over again. But she was probably, you know, here I'm in my like late 40s, early 50s. And she was maybe in her mid to late 20s. But she kept complaining about having all the headaches all the time. And I asked her, how much are you training? She goes, oh, I train every day. She goes, just makes me feel better. And I says, really, having headaches makes you feel better? She goes, well, no, I'm just having headaches. But like when, before I come in, I'm kind of run down that I get that. And I understand that because sometimes when I used to be a runner up until I got into my 40s when my knees started screaming at me. And then I stopped running. And maybe if I was sprinting instead of jogging, it would have been better on my system because we're not meant to to jog we're meant to either run or walk run walk run in other words it's not just that but anyways doing that fitness it's it's hard on your body there is no time for rest so i would just say listen to your body if, if you're tired you know then that's why i don't agree God, you know every time you open you ask a question you open up this can of worms it starts it starts you know bringing up because of things that I've seen. And, and some guys are sitting there go, well, you just, you know, when you're tired, a lot of, you know, you're tired, get off that couch and go and go train, you'll feel better. But that's the mentality that I don't agree with because the older that you get, maybe you need to rest. Doesn't mean you need to sit in front of the television, maybe go for a walk, you know, maybe, you know, go out to the beach, but, but rest your body. Give it a complete, make sure you start to feel decent again before you go back to the mat. And that's hard because we're not used to listening to our body. Going back to what that guy was saying, take your pulse. If it's elevated, rest. But we live in the society. No, no, we got to get things done. And with some coaches that I've seen, I, I really don't agree 
with their mentality. They say, get out there and you know, do it. If you're young, great. It depends if you're a professional. It depends what you're training for. But even if you are, you're still at, at what risk to your body? Remember, we're in this for a marathon, not a sprint. So if you want to be here for a short time, great. But uh, most of us are going to stick around for a while. And if you want to stick around in jujitsu, you have to change your mindset. And that takes time. It takes also not succumbing to pressure, peer pressure by, you know, oh, come on, man, get out there. You know, fair. very fair. And also, too, good nutrition, good sleep, habits like that, plenty of hydration, right? Oh, yeah. Good nutrition, good sleep. That, to me, that goes without saying. Yes. Yes. I think that there's a lot of people out there who really struggle with nutrition and sleep. Well, yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that people do when they're resting or when they're when they're tired, what do they do? They have an energy drink. They charge themselves with caffeine, which has, you know, look, for all you guys that like energy drinks and drink a lot of coffee, you know, it's it's a stimulant. You got to be careful with it. So I'm the caffeine guy myself, I've got nothing to say. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to preach. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. Um, and so, and so I think it's time getting, uh, getting time here to wrap it up. Um, okay. And so any, any last sort of thoughts on training for longevity, because I do look to you with your, with your approach and you've already shared, I feel really grateful. I got a lot of wisdom out of your book worth defending. It's definitely worth a read. But I've also gotten a lot of wisdom out of just the one-on-one -on -one conversations that we've had. Do you have any nuggets that you can share um, for somebody who's listening to this that says, hey, really, I'm, I might be in the wrong type of school or whatnot, you know, and, but I want to do this for a long time. Do you, any, any other nuggets you can share? Um, what? <laughs> I'll send you an energy drink. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe a Tatsu tea, Phil. <laughs> Those are on the way. You know, it, it's just, I would just, just listen, you know, you just have to listen to your body. Also, one of the things that really helps me too is that, and I don't do it enough, but, you know, I recently lost my mother about six weeks ago or so. And, you know, the, the stress of whether you lose somebody or, what, however you're training, one of the things that I noticed that's really helpful is find some kind of a breathing practice. I was, I was just listening to one of my friends and they were, and they do a lot of studies on meditation and they were saying that learning a breathing practice, and you don't have to do it long. It can be, um, I used to do a 20, 20, 20, you know, slow inhalation down to your gut hold for 20 out for 20 or you can do like in for 10 hold for 12 out for 16 i think the exhalation is to really get out that all that extra stuff you do that for five or ten minutes and do that exchange and it just makes you feel better so that's part of also resting too i think 
a breathing technique. I do it a lot of times when I'm going to teach, when I'm going anywhere. If I'm if I find myself on the freeway and all of a sudden traffic, you know how traffic is sometimes, you know, it's like people kind of go slow and you go, okay, I need to change my head space right now. And I'll just do the breathing on the way to class. You know, it takes me five, 10 minutes and I just feel so much better. So that's a helpful addition. I couldn't agree more. I am a, a daily meditator. On the weekends, it's oftentimes more than more than once. So, Richard, thank you so much. This has been this has been a really good show. I hope everybody enjoys it. Um, and looking forward to next time. Don't forget, worth defending, worth reading. Check it out on Amazon. On Amazon, and leave a review. And more than three hundred five star reviews. But yes. you know, that's that's Please. a cheap plug. That was a fantastic plug. We don't do anything cheap around here. Thanks, okay. Richard. Okay, until next time, everybody enjoy.